The future belongs to those who control the culture, and the culture belongs to those who control the conversation. So we are having the conversations you wish you could have at church to build a safe and vibrant community. This is the Oz Table Talk podcast. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Table Talk. This is another Corona edition. We are recording remotely. There's three of us uh, at the virtual table tonight. The, there's Dave, Ben, and myself, Luke, and um, we're we're missing uh, missing Matt, but um, he and Bree are not having a baby right now, as far as we know. But it's coming soon, and so uh, Matt is on. Uh, we're going to call it paternity leave, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, guys, uh, before we get started, uh, as is our habit when we've got them, we like to share our reviews. So, um, Ben, can you share this week's review? Okay, um, I'm just bringing it up. Uh, who who was the review from? <laughs> you didn't put the name in. Oh, sorry, Pokemon. Pokemon. Pokemon says, <laughs> the first episode <laughs> I heard was one on The Odyssey. Not an easy topic. But I really appreciate how it feels like you're included in the conversation and it really feels like we're all figuring these things out together. This is a great podcast. Also, a lot of Bible nerd humor, which I'm super for. Good dudes having good conversations. I just love that Bible um, nerd humor comment. <laughs> and, and what's funny is, like, we probably wouldn't have thought that, but that's just sort of who we are, and so that's what comes out. <laughs> yeah, I definitely wouldn't see us as Bible nerds. <clears throat> also, uh, I like the part where he said that um, it feels like you're included in the conversation, that we're all figuring it out together. That's really cool. That's that's the dynamic that we're aiming for, and so it's really awesome to hear that at least some people are finding that to be their experience. Yeah, well, yeah. We're, we're definitely just trying to figure it out together, aren't we? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I still sometimes, like, when I'm talking to new people that haven't heard about it before, they'll be like, oh, so, you, you know, are you guys pastors? Are you guys like, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. <laughs> we're, we're, like, a long way. We're on the, uh, like, if, if that's one option, we're the other option. <laughs> Have you listened to anything we say? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, we need to give this guy a nickname, by the way. Well, I'm assuming it's a guy. Yeah, Pokemon. Yeah. So, of course, the first thing I think is Pokemon. I'm from that generation, of course. Yes, I know. I spent way too many... There was way... Let me put it this way. There's way too many wasted days of my youth on Pokemon. So, <laughs> I'd probably just turn around and call him Pikachu. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We're done with that. Okay. Th- thanks, Pika. Appreciate you uh, sharing <laughs> sharing that review. Um, by the way, if you actually are listening to this, uh, please let us know what your real name is. Like, send us a message. <laughs> we would love to actually have a real name to attach to that, in at least in our heads, even if it doesn't go out online. So, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for contributing. <laughs> Ah, but before we before we get to our topic for this particular discussion, um, as we as we started in a previous episode, we've been taking the Humans of Adventism question deck, so the the discussion starter cards that uh, Caleb Isley has been putting together, and uh, so we're pick we're picking one question to chat about before our our main discussion for each episode. So today's question is: What was your first job interview like? It was a long time ago. <laughs> Bingo. Stop showing off. We know you're old. <laughs> uh, I, I don't so, really so remember well, it, so I'll let you guys have this one. 
<laughs> while Ben goes through the archives, <laughs> um, my uh, my first job interview. Well, my first job interview was only a couple of years ago because I didn't really have to do any job interviews for my first many, many jobs. Um, so I might go back to my first job and talk about that instead. Um, mm-hmm. So when I, was, when I was 14, going on 15, um, one of my school friends, his mum needed some work done around the place. So she decided she was going to um, pay me, I think, it was, I think I was getting $5 an hour. Uh, to do wow. odd jobs she was, around her place. She was really, really paying you that top dollar. Well, to be fair, she was quite generous because when I was an apprentice, like three, uh, two years later, uh, I was only getting $7 an hour. <laughs> so, uh, you know, five bucks an hour probably wasn't too bad in hindsight. <coughs> um, but yeah, no, that was, that was pretty neat. So I learned a bunch of things on that job. You know, I was, I was cleaning up the yard and things like that, but I also got to do some painting and some fencing and some... You know those sorts of things that you know were a bit handy for a fifteen-year-old. So, yeah, it was pretty pretty sweet experience. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And so you, you said your first actual job interview didn't come till a lot lot longer later. What yeah. was what was that like? What oh, was it like it actually was like weird. walking into your first one? Yeah, it was a bit weird because I felt like you know um, I'm quite old to be doing like a that was my first time writing a resume, writing a cover letter, going in to do an interview and all that sort of thing, and then. The job interview itself was also strange because the boss that I was going to be working for, um, he was a Christian. He knew I was a Christian. That's why he asked me to come in for the interview because my resume had absolutely nothing relevant to the job on it Um, because it was a job in administration and all I'd ever done was like ministry and trade stuff. Um, So, yeah, anyway, so I I rocked up for this interview and he didn't even really ask me about work stuff. He he more more or less wanted to hear my personal testimony. So, yeah, I told him about how I became a Christian. <laughs> and then he made me do an IQ test. So, you know, it was the weirdest interview you could probably imagine. <laughs> wow. And so, uh, I'm sorry, I'm curious now. What was, your, what was your IQ based on that test? Oh, I, I didn't get a score or anything. It was, it was just a made-up IQ test that he made himself. And he was oh, wow, basically, okay. yeah, he was basically just looking for people who thought outside the box, uh, who had, you know, because it was timed as well. So, you had to be able to, you know, answer the questions uh, mm-hmm. With a bit of brevity, I suppose, not r- ramble on forever and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I cool. think I did well. He said that I, the questions were more suited to somebody of a, a generation or two back from me. Um, <laughs> so he was going to give me a bit of grace for that. <laughs> cool. Well, my uh, my first job interview was actually at uh, the place where I got my first job. So that and it turned out kind of funny because I was fifteen, I was studying at TAFE, and my my mother went out into uh, a place called Leading Edge Electronics, and so they they're like. Uh, J Car Dick Smith kind of place, and uh, that's probably only relevant for people that are in Australia. Yeah, I was going to say that's not helpful at all. <laughs> yeah, so if you're if you're outside Australia, just think like electronic shops, so selling you know capacitors and UHF radios and computers and TV antennas and all that sort of thing. And anyway, so she went in there, and the the manager was obviously exasperated. And uh, Mum said, "What's wrong?" And he said, "You wouldn't know anybody that wanted a job that was actually reliable, would you?" Or actually, I think he said, "Who is someone who has half a brain?" I think was actually what he said. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm assuming he wasn't having a good day. 
Um, and uh, mum said, actually, I think my son's looking for work. And, and he, the manager said, well, send him in. Tell him to talk to me. <laughs> so, uh, I was at TAFE that day. And so, mum sent me a message. And so, TAFE was only about a five-minute walk from, from the shop. And so, for, when lunchtime came, I went up and spoke to the manager over there. And he walked me around the shop and asked me what I knew stuff about. And basically, at that point, I knew stuff about the computers, but I knew nothing about anything else. And I sort of, uh, and he asked me <laughs> after we'd been talking for a while. He said, "So what you're telling me is like you know computers fairly well, but for everything else, you're just going to have to extrapolate what you already know." I said, "Yeah, that's pretty much it." And he's like, "Okay, you know, come in for a test on Monday," <laughs> and that was that. So, but um, I'm still actually friends with uh, with him. Sh- Shannon was a, a a really good really good boss. But um, yeah, that was my first first job interview. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's also nice to know your mum thinks you got half a brain. <laughs> yep if you're listening thanks mum <laughs> cool so with the, with all that said what are we talking about today and I, since obviously since ben you are the one that suggested this i'm going to throw this over to you what are we talking about essentialism so i've i got bought this book a while back i actually um re-bought the um an audiobook version of this a week ago so i could re-listen to it and it's called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg Mignone. I like that. I like that, that byline, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. So, is it, is it a short book, Ben? Depends on your um, point of view. The audiobook's only about six hours, but so it's not too well, bad. Well, that is short. That is fairly short for audiobook, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably only an, oh, just over an inch thick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering because you wouldn't want to say more than you have to in a book like that, would you? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's not usually my um my doorstop books. This one's yeah. this one I would consider light reading, but <laughs> I, I, you, I, you really could do a, like a free weight workout with most of yours. I do understand that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I wrote a little extract here. So it's I half stole it from the book. What is essentialism? It's minimalism for our time and effort. It's not about getting more done in less time. It's about getting only the right things done in our lives. So how Mm. often do we go through our lives and it's not a case of trying to maximize... We often think about maximizing output, but often we start maximizing output over things that really aren't that important to us or Mm. even change the outcome. We just putting effort in and um, hoping for the best. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that's um, true. And this book goes over it, points to do with that because, let's face it, we've all been trapped in that um, at some point in our lives uh, and to the point of burnout. Mm. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's actually the reason why I bought this book at the, um, at the time. I was just getting into minimalism and, of course, this popped up in my feed while I was looking that up, so I decided... It looked interesting. I liked the blog on the back. So I um, I picked it up for my reading as well. And I tell you what, over the last couple of years, this is one of the most influential books on my life. Wow. And so, That's a big statement. Yeah. How, how does it, like, thinking through the, I guess, through the spiritual lens, how does it interact with your Christianity? Like, how do you feel it relates? How often in our lives do we go go and say, but I don't have time to do that Bible study. I don't have time for prayer. I don't have time for God. Hmm. And I found that it helps a lot with minimizing what's not important so I can maximize what's important. And of course, my Christian walk is one of those things I consider very important. So making time for that is all important. 
I mean, although I don't struggle with my prayer life, my prayer life will continue no matter how busy I get. But I often, one of the things you guys have obviously seen is I often struggle with my um, my morning devotionals. Hmm. Hmm. I'm a little bit hit and miss with um, that sort of thing. I mean, there have been points in my life where I will do hour-long uh, morning devotionals and then all of a sudden it'll something will pop up and I won't even get to it for a full month. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. It's very easy to be hit and miss with your devotions. You get on like a run and you get this momentum up and you're all excited and then something happens. And as soon as the momentum's gone, it's really hard to get back in the swing of a day. Yeah, mm. it, it is so hard. And I find little things like what it talks about in the um, the book um, helps a lot. So one of the first things it asks um, is to reflect on your um, reflect on your life a little bit and actually write down what actually matters in your life. Hmm. So the big thing. It's funny. Yeah, it's funny. This sounds very similar to a book I read. Uh, I can't remember whether it's the beginning of this year or late last year, Ben. Uh, it's a book called The One Thing by a bloke by the name of Gary Keller. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, same sort of idea. He talks a lot about this principle in the context of business, but also in just everyday life. And he's got the same sort of drive that you're talking about to, to really find out what is the, the central most important thing in your life. And then once you know what that is, you can build all the other things around that. Um, and so in every area of his life, he looks for the one thing that's important. And then how do those other things interact with that one thing? And if they don't, they basically aren't important. Mm-hmm. Um, so same sort of thing you're talking about, Ben, a bit of reflection on what is it that really matters to me. And so obviously we've just been talking about our spiritual experience. Um, can I ask you maybe a little bit more pointed question about the spiritual experience? Mm. Uh, what What is the one thing that really matters to you about your spiritual experience? Um, above all else, I think my prayer life. Right. That's that's the one thing that's completely unshakable. I is that? I, I pray first thing Sorry. in the morning, last thing at night, before meals, before getting in the car. I I pray throughout the day, and it, it's I I wouldn't be able to get through the day without my prayer life. Yeah. One of the things I would like to see improve is definitely um, my study has taken a little bit of a back foot. I've I've actually found that my study relies very heavily on my ability to be bored, <laughs> because I find that if I'm not at, if I don't have a period of being bored at least once every two weeks, um, my creativity just goes in the toilet, and so does my um, so does my ability to study anything. Anything at all just completely just tanks if I'm not spending that time to actually get to a point of being bored. Mm. Interesting. Gives you that opportunity to process. Yeah. Hmm. Sorry, I feel like you got cut off like a couple of times there, Dave. What were you going to say? Uh, I can't remember now. That's okay, no. though. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think I, think I was going to ask Ben um, about the prayer thing because he was very quick to answer prayer. And I was just going to say, is that because prayer is a bit of a like a lifeline sort of thing? I think so, and I think it's also one of those things that's never been interrupted in my life. I've right, yeah. It's perhaps the most consistent habit I've ever had because my parents taught me how to do. I my prayer life probably started when I was only about four or five, probably even younger. You know, um, hmm. I remember one of the um, first prayers my um, my parents taught me was, "Now I lay me down to sleep." You you've heard mm-hmm. that one, haven't you? Yes, I have. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And it, it's just, it's snowballed from there. Mm. Right. Cool. That's pretty cool. I wish I could say the same. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think yeah. one. Of, I think one of the interesting things about this, and, and it's funny because I, I haven't I haven't read the book, um, but I I find it interesting that these principles I have applied in my life, particularly professionally, for a really long time, and I I guess I sort of I mean I can definitely do a, a better job of applying them spiritually, but um, yeah, it, it these are really well accepted you know, effective practices for productivity and that sort of thing as well. You know, when I do my to-do list, what I'm going to get done each day, I usually vet the list by saying, okay, well, which ones of these are the ones that actually matter and just try to comb out the um, the things that don't actually matter that are just urgent, that are just sitting there on the list. And uh, I think I actually even made, even made a YouTube video about it at some point. It's, it's super effective. And so, yeah, why not do it for our spiritual life? It makes great sense. It's funny, I think for me, the norm in my life has always been to be overextended. Mm-hmm. Um, and essentialism is kind of like, it's like when you have a fast, it's the, it's the rare occasion where things kind of get back, put back to equilibrium. Yeah, and for me, I can't think of too many times where I've ever experienced this, this concept of essentialism outside of camping. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I think I, I almost need to be forced to, to, in order to have this experience of essentialism. Um, but the, the two times that I clearly remember having this experience in everyday life were when I was in the Solomon Islands and when I was in Vanuatu. Um, because the lifestyle over there in the Pacific Islands is this, you know. They don't have the complexity of lifestyle that we have in a Western country where we've got to keep up with all of these standards and things that sometimes really don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but for them, you know, life is about getting what you need to eat, having a happy family, and I can't think of much else. Like, that's like the, the simplicity of their lifestyle. Like, they just, they just love each other and they just live every day um, as though, you know, the things that mattered were the people around them and the food on their plate. Um, and in, in honesty, the first time I was in... Um, well, actually, the time I was in Vanuatu was probably when it really hit me the most. I was talking to a young fellow that I met over there. He was a bit older than me, but we were sort of the same generation. And we we're chatting a bit about this. And, and he was saying, um, well, you can stay if you like. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it doesn't, kind of doesn't work that way, man. <laughs> like, I can't just stay. And he's like, oh, no, it's all right. I'll give you a property, you know, and a house and you can, you can stay. <laughs> and I was like, well, it still kind of doesn't work that way, but like, that was an extremely like, tempting opportunity for me um, because like, I really resonated with the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, just being able to just, just let everything else go, like the stresses of life and just to have like, a peaceful life. Um, there's so much to like about it. Um, but the thing is, there's nothing to stop us from having an experience like that. It might not be the same as that, but like that here in you know, a Western country like Australia. But the thing is, over here, it has to be an intentional choice, whereas over there, it's the lifestyle. So, um, yeah, anyway, that's my experience with essentialism. Yeah, Camping and mission trips. Because <laughs> the guy actually brings up um, something very similar to that, and it's, um, it's, it's something that's really changed in our lives in the last, last little while, and that is choice. I mean, just mm-hmm. think about the amount of choice that we have in our lives today. Mm-hmm. And that overwhelming amount of choice kind of we get into the point where we're kind of forced into some of those choices because when we're younger, we have a much harder time saying no. So therefore often other people start choosing things in our lives. And because we're not, 
we don't ha- because we don't have that limited number of choices bec- and with those limited number of choices it's much easier to choose the right things and because we've got all these extra choices it adds all these extra things in our lives that often we don't even resonate with we don't want we don't care for and yet all of a sudden they're in our life and um, it's all comes down to our inability to say no to each other yeah <laughs> and that that's really that's really challenging you know like I, I i was when we were chat having a chat even before we had this recording i was saying i was saying to you guys that i struggle with this because i i have a an agreement in my mind like i have an intellectual assent to the fact that essentialism makes sense it's good for me spiritually it's good for me emotionally it's good for all of these things but uh, it hasn't reached my practical experience much like yourself dave like you know there are a couple of times i could think of camping and that where you don't have you're out of options and so mm-hmm. therefore that's what you're experiencing so i can relate to that but I was saying the biggest things that are in my life is my my family, so my, my wife and my kids, my my job, my my, my business, so Farbox, uh, you boys, so doing table talk and working with church. I mean, there's other things, but th- they are the the four big ones that my life is is you know the pillars, I guess, of my experience. And if I stop pouring my obviously I can't stop pouring myself into my family, right? That that's the biggest chunk of of my experience can't stop that so that's off the table but everything else if i stop doing any of those things either my my spiritual life or the spiritual life of the people around me and even physical life will will begin to suffer and i'm not willing to make that exchange and so i still personally haven't figured out how to make that balance work doesn't mean it can't it just means that i haven't figured it out yet so And I think it's also important to note that what we're not saying is that essentialism means that you can't be productive Mm -hmm. because like the guy that wrote the book I read at least, Ben, and and maybe you can tell me about the one you read, the guy that wrote this book, he was an extremely successful business person. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's not like his life had nothing in it. It, It's just that it didn't have the same crazy um, busyness that most of us have because he had made some choices that were intentional. Yeah. Yeah, he talks about quality over quantity. Right. Cutting down the number of things that you have, but investing, reinvesting that time into that which is truly important. So, mm-hmm. for example, I was just thinking with the um, the four choices you had there, Luke, instead of mm-hmm. looking at potentially cutting one of them out because they're all important to you, it would mm-hmm. be a case of cutting it down into subsections and seeing if you can remove some of those subsections. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it it's good it's good way of thinking. And I so, think, yeah, go you yeah. first. Go for Dave. <laughs> now we're all surrendering. Someone speak. <laughs> <laughs> it's you. My, my thought's gone. I, I lost it. All right, mine's sort of semi gone too. So, anyways, um, look what I what I think maybe it's worthwhile us um, talking a little bit more about is Ben's original question, what really matters to us. Mm -hmm. So we we spoke about spiritual life. Um, Sometimes you have goals that you really need to kick in your life for for a particular period of time. So for me at the moment, I'm studying at university and that's like a major time commitment for me. I think if I just did that alone, I'm probably overextending myself, right? So Mm -hmm. I need to, to consider the fact that this is something that I either need to look at as a sacrifice that I'm making for a sustained period of time and then after that I'm going to be more intentional about essentialism or I need to think to myself is this worth um, you know being 
uh, overextended for four and a half years over or should I cut it back and do this degree over a much longer period of time? And so I guess for me, I, I recognise that as a matter of importance for me for where I'm at in my life right now and I can, I can um, guess that there's probably a lot of people listening that are in that place in their lives where they've got commitments that are important but that are really large commitments. And so you don't necessarily drop them because they're such large commitments. You, you need to, I, I suppose, weigh them up in the balances. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's something that's really important to me at the moment. Um, and so that means that I might need to make sacrifices in other areas of my life in order for me to be able to, to meet that particular goal. So I think, um, you know, what's important to one person is going to be different to what's important to another and we all need to make that assessment ourselves Mm -hmm. um but like you said ben quality over quantity um and i think that's really the key for success in this area is um you know there's people say it all the time but it's not about how many things you do it's about how well you do them um so you know it's much better for us for example to have four things like you were saying luke in your life and i know those are four very large things and that that that's already an overcommitment, but you know, for most people, if they had four things in their life, that would be actually a really good achievement. Mm. Um, they probably wouldn't be such large things, but you get my point. Yeah. And so then, if you only have four things that you're committed to, you can do the four things well potentially. Mm. Or if you know you can't do four things well, maybe you need to you know cut it back a bit and do three things well, or whatever happens to be. Yeah. But when you've got like sixteen or eighteen commitments going on in your life. And you recognise you're only giving your, you're only giving a small percentage of yourself to each one of those commitments. Mm-hmm. You have to start asking yourself, like, is it worth it? Like, do I should I bother giving this little of myself to all of these things, mm-hmm. or should I cut a bunch of them out so that I can give a much greater percentage of myself to uh, the the few things that remain? Hmm. I think that really comes down to the biblical principle of you know whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Mm-hmm. I think that's really the, the the core of that, right? Because if we if we are doing that, then there's no room in our life to overextend in other areas. It's what what is in front of us. That's what we do. There's a a great uh, a great interview that I I listened to once a long time ago, but it still sticks in my head really firmly because the guy his name is Derek Sivers, and uh, in the interview he said, you know, when you first when you're first starting out, there's so many options. Your life could go in a million different directions. And so at the beginning, you say yes to everything. But before long, you start getting more opportunities than what you have the capacity to fulfill. And that's when you have the the, the ability to start saying no to things. And what you say no to shapes what your life looks like much more than what you say yes to. It's by saying no <laughs> to the things that aren't a good match that creates the life that you want in the long run. Yeah trade-offs i really like that mm-hmm. yeah he goes over with trade-offs uh, he, he basically says work out what the great opportunities are and say no to even the good opportunities because yes. if you mm. say yes to a good opportunity when a great opportunity comes along you won't have the time for it yeah because yeah, yeah. because it's all about the thing is this is all about exploring choices um at its core it's it's exploring your choices and actually picking the right one not just going with the first opportunity that passes you by Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm giving myself a really big slap up the behind by saying this, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think um, when when the Bible talks to us about gifts and talents, mm-hmm. God gives us all gifts and He gives us all talents, right? And so what that means is if we're overextending ourselves, particularly when you think of it in God's work, 
And that's one area that Christians have a tendency to really overextend themselves in, you know, doing stuff at church or for church or for God in some capacity. If we're doing that, if we're doing many things poorly, we are actually putting our boots in in the place where somebody else's boots should be. Um, And so we're taking opportunities away from people. So it's much better uh, for us to, like you said before, Luke, and, and both of you actually were just saying, you know, it's much better to say no to that position that, yeah, you could probably do a fantastic job of it if you only had a certain amount of commitments going on in your life and you could give it your 100%. Uh, but if you can only give it 5% of you, it's much better for you to let somebody else do it, mm-hmm. somebody who God has given that gift and talent to, and, and then you're not taking their spot in his work. Um, so, yeah, you know, maybe I need to go and think about that for my own life. But, yeah, a bit of advice. <laughs> I was actually um, thinking about church life with all that, and there is definitely a culture of overextension in our churches. I mean, oh, yeah. I am definitely guilty of falling into that trap. Yeah, and the thing is, we think we're doing it for other people, like for the benefit of the church or for the benefit of whatever, but really we're doing it for ourselves. Yeah, and it, there's definitely that feeling to go uh, go forth and do as much as you can as well. And mm-hmm. you just keep on going and going and going until you hit burnout. I mean, how often do you hear of church members burning out because they've overextended themselves? So, yeah. let me ask this. Where is the line in this circumstance? And I'm speaking this, asking for a friend, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So, what if... The yeah, you're overextended, and the role that you fulfil, nobody else is willing to to take. Or there's no, there's at least no obvious person that is gifted in the way that that would would be required to do it. Even though you may be willing to let someone else do it. <laughs> I feel like this is one of those moments where anything I do say may be given as evidence, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just—I mean—it's all good and well for us to be throwing around philosophy, but that's sort of where the rubber meets the road, and where I and where I'm at personally. And so I'm like, oh, I'm, ju- I'm just going to throw that one. <laughs> just let that one go. Sometimes you've just got to step back and see what happens, because mm. if look, if the worst comes and things start crashing down around, you can always step back into the position. But mm. if you step back and perhaps let things get a little bit messy for a little while. Sometimes somebody will step up and say, "Okay, this is a this is a bit of a mess. I'll have a crack at it," which would ne- mm-hmm. would never have done that if it was a nice, clean situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I- yeah. I'll, I'll just say this out loud. I- I'm not good at that. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say I feel like you said the right thing just then, Ben. Yeah, <laughs> and like I I agree with you in philosophy. Yeah, yeah. I, not I, in practice. I, in practice, <laughs> I don't think any of us are good at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I mean, let's be real. We wouldn't be talking if if that was the case, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just wa- I just want to go back. Uh, I mean, uh, I I think before any of us dig ourselves holes that are any deeper than the holes that we've currently dug, um, I, I want to go back to something that you were saying, Dave. Um, you know, when you were talking about the talents that we've been given and and all that, and it was just in my head, it was connecting with this concept of seasons in life. And you know, I I sometimes look at the experience the uh, experience, excuse me. I look at the talents that God has given me, and some of them I feel like I'm utilizing to the best of my ability. There are other talents that God has given me that seem dormant, and yeah. even though I have the capacity, there doesn't seem to be opportunity to utilize them. 
And that I've in the past has been a, th- a point of frustration for me. And I realized, or well, ha- have progressively realized over the last couple of years, that uh, God doesn't expect us to utilize all of those gifts all of the time. And there is such a thing as seasons in our life. And yeah. there may be a season where, like you were saying earlier, I guess, about you know using um, study as an example, there may be a season for you to go all out and overextend, but it's not your permanent position for your entire life. You know, God gives us the capacity to do that for a season, but then there's going to be another season coming, you know, and using the example before, I was talking about those four elements of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, family is taking up a really massive chunk of my life, and there's a bunch of reasons for that, more than it would uh, for most people but that is for a season you know there's going to be a time coming where my you know my kids and my wife won't require as much of my physical time that they do currently and so um, I shouldn't hurry through any stage of life we should be much better at appreciating and making the most of every season that we go through and I think that's mm-hmm. a part of essentialism mm-hmm. yeah and and part of um, I suppose connecting those dots is uh, recognizing that there's going to be times where uh, to, for you to be the best dad you can possibly be, mm. um, you're going to have to say no to some things. Yeah. Um, even if you're, you know, you're potentially overextending yourself in that area, um, like you said, it's a season you've got to ride the wave, and so you may as well do the best you can at riding it. Yeah. And that's the same for me at the moment with regards to university. Yeah, I don't have kids to look after, but um, I I find myself um, often asking myself the question, you know, is this the right thing to be doing with my life? Because it seems to be taking away, you know, the opportunity to do other things that I can, I can see as really good things, right? Yeah. Um, but like you said, I've got to embrace the season mm-hmm. and uh, be willing to make that temporary sacrifice, but also not, not just be like, oh, I'm just going to crowd everything in anyway. I might have to actually, as part of that sacrifice, drop off some other things that are potentially important mm. uh, and let those talents be dormant for a little while mm. in order to, um, like you were saying before with, um, what was the verse you, you shared before? Whatever you do, do it with do all it your with might. The, yeah. Do it with all your might, yeah. Mm. I, I think, you know, for me, that means um, doing the best I can, even if it is in a secular course of study. So, mm. Yeah. Well, it, it can buy you um, time. I was in... A few years ago, I was in the season you currently are. I was, I was studying, studying, studying. I moved to full time, started staying part time on top of that. Didn't give me a lot of time, but I'm finally to the point where I can start my own business, cut my hours right back, and start throwing more hours at other things, which will include yeah. children at some point. Yeah, and I have time to do that. So. It's not, it's not a bad thing to invest in a certain section so that you can scale it back in a couple of years. Hmm. Yeah. 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 So, so it's about finding out what really matters mm-hmm. and sort of, sort of directing your focus toward those things that really matter mm-hmm. and saying no to those things that don't matter as much. Um, and we're, we're also making it clear that those things that don't matter as much, sometimes they do matter. Uh, sometimes they could actually be really important but they're just not, not a priority for you. And I think maybe you were referring to this before, Luke, without actually you know, making mention of it, but I love the, the quadrant system from Stephen Covey's book, yeah, um, Seven Habits of to. Highly Effective People. Yeah, yeah. the Eisenhower um, Matrix. Think, yeah. yeah, I think that should really govern the way that we 
do life, uh, not just make t- choices in a context of, of business or anything like that, but just life in general. It's about choosing what is, what is um, both important and urgent to me today and doing that to the best of my ability. And those things that might be important but not urgent, they're just going to have to wait. Or those things that are urgent but not important to me, they really need to be delegated. Mm-hmm. And we as, we as people are really bad at that particular <laughs> box. Yep. You know? You know, it might not be important to us, but we know it's urgent, and so we're going to do it <laughs> in preference to those things that are really important. <laughs> and it's just it's ridiculous, but it's the way we live our lives. And so, yeah, I think um, making good choices about how we select what's important to us on a day-to-day basis really helps with this, you know, whole big picture of essentialism. Mm-hmm. And just to, just to call it out, I mean, uh, for people that are listening and going, man, they've hardly talked about the Bible itself at all, but... Ultimately, this is this is a this is a toolbox, right? You know, if we are going to actually be Christians, then we need to be utilizing our lives the way that is going to allow us to be Christians to do those things. Yeah. And and I believe that tools like what we're talking about now are uh, it is it's a toolkit, it's a Swiss Army knife for us to be able to live the Christian life. So. Yeah. And, and maybe it's not about Bible verses. Maybe it's about Bible characters. For yes. example there were people in the Bible who are fantastic role models for this. You know, Jesus obviously sits at the top of the list, Mm -hmm. but he knew what was important to him and he let nothing stop him from from, um, that mission that was important to him. You know, you think even at the very time when he realized what his mission was at 12 years of age and his parents are like concerned for his well-being and they're asking him, where'd you go? And he's just like, didn't you know that I would be doing what I was called to do? Like, isn't that just so obvious to you? (laughs) Um, yeah, or at least it should be. And, yeah, and I love I love that fact that he was so um, yeah focused on that one thing that was so important to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think yeah, there's there's great examples throughout scripture of people like that. Yeah, one hundred percent. My actually thought went for a bad example, which is James White. He did amazing things. He did absolutely wonderful things with his life, but he burnt out, and his uh-huh. candle was extinguished far sooner than what it should have been. Yes. Yeah, great example. Mm. I mean, Ellen White's um, his wife said he he basically did the work of three men. Mm-hmm. He was <laughs> he was amazing, but if he'd been a better delegator, maybe he would have been able to achieve so much more. Yeah. Do you remember what he said to her when she told him that, Ben? No, I don't. He basically, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, "Well, you got to die of something." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he, uh, he did. Oh. I had a friend. I had a friend quote that to me once, and I was like, "Yeah, but it ain't going to be that, all right?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, I mean, that's that's a really great example, and I think there are a lot of really, re- you know, there's a lot of really great things to chew on in this conversation. There's a lot that I know I need to apply better <laughs> myself. <laughs> and uh-huh. I think if we're all honest, we're all hypocrites. <laughs> yep. We all yeah. fall short of this standard. <laughs> yes, yes. And so, um, but I think that's a good place for us to, to land this one. Guys, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we look forward to catching you guys for another discussion next Tuesday. See ya. 
And that's the end of another episode. Just before I head off, I want to encourage you to go over to our page on Facebook and also our account on Instagram and follow us there because that is where we interact with our listeners. And we would love for you to enter in and join the conversation. Also, while you're signing up, I would also recommend signing up to our mailing list on our website, oztabletalk.com.au. If you do that, you will receive our exclusive content because occasionally we do release exclusives and they only go out to our mailing list. So I would strongly recommend you go and sign up for that. If you have a few more minutes to be one of the most amazing listeners on the planet, you can go over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review because reviews help us to grow and they help other people to find us. So if you want to help us reach those goals, please jump in and give us a review. The final message that I'd like to leave you with is to let you know about our Patreon account. Now, Patreon is a way for creators to get paid for creating. And ultimately, what we do does cost money to get us hosted and have the services that we need to run the podcast. And so if you'd like to help us do that, jump over onto patreon.com slash oztabletalk and you can you can give anything from even a dollar a month upwards. But at different levels, there are different benefits, different rewards that we want to give you just to say thank you for being an amazing supporter of ours. If you can't afford that, we would just gratefully accept your prayers because that is what our ministry runs on. And so with that, I will leave you to your day and thank you so much for listening to this episode. We look forward to seeing you guys next week.